Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Vice President of Platform for AI21 Labs, Dan Padnos. AI21 Labs is a Tel Aviv-based software company specializing in natural language processing-based systems. Dan joins us on the program to look at retail and e-commerce challenges in ensuring accurate product descriptions and personalization at scale. Later, we'll talk about how advanced large language models like GPT-4 are providing solutions. This is the second of three episodes in a special series sponsored by AI21 Labs. Don't forget to check out our first episode featuring AI21 Labs co-founder and co-CEO, Ori Goshen in conversation with Emerge CEO and Head of Research Daniel Fagella, offering a preview of what the larger marketplace for bespoke LLMs will look like going into the future. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dan Padnos. Dan, thank you so much for being with us on the program this week. Thank you for having me. So... We were even talking a little bit before we got on the microphone. It's a very fascinating space right now. We're very interested in knowing what you see as the biggest challenges right now in the retail and e-commerce spaces, particularly where it comes to large language models and how these spaces are trying to leverage this technology. Right. So I think maybe a good way to introduce my answer to this question is to say right out the bat that the opportunity is huge. So a lot of people and organizations have weighed in on this question. McKinsey, for example, published a report where they estimate that generative AI will add something like 150 billion in a conservative estimation in the next three to five years to the operating profits of the apparel, fashion, and I think the third one was the luxury sector in e-commerce and retail. There's definitely a sense here in the market that there's huge opportunities in applying generative AI to these sectors. I think the big challenges that we're seeing companies in the space trying to approach, the things that are top of mind for them are primarily two things. One is the information that they present to their customers is sometimes incomplete or ineffective. So the subject of how do you get product descriptions and all of the assets that surround them that are most useful for the shoppers is something that is really top of mind for them. And then the second question I would say is, how do you personalize the experience at scale? So everybody who's tried to sell anything online knows that personalization can be a very effective and a very powerful tool in driving stronger outcomes. But the question of how do you do this at scale for e-commerce is, I think, a, still a big challenge. And generative AI has a lot to contribute there as well. Right, right. And in, even in these spaces, you're dealing with a lot of enterprises all over the place in terms of legacy systems, new systems, and, and, and new players in the space and older players in the space. In e-commerce, it's a lot of newer folks. Just in terms of you know this being kind of a flashy new toy right now, I think there's a lot of magical thinking around large language models, which isn't to diminish the actual contribution they're bringing to the table in terms of concrete technological advance. In terms of you know how I've, I've phrased th this on other programs, 
I like to describe a large language model as not a program that effectively has a conversation with you so much as it's really good at predicting what word to put next in a context that you will give positive feedback for. And I think putting the technology just in that context tends to take a little bit of the magic out of it. What are you seeing in terms of use cases that are prone to a more concrete understanding of the technology in this way? Right. So I agree with you 100%. Detailed and nuanced understanding of the requirements that you have from the solution that you want to put in place is really the key in, in building something successful and putting it in production. And the areas where we see the problems that lend themselves to these treatments are numerous in, in e-commerce and retail. So let's think of product descriptions, like I mentioned before. So when you browse a catalog for any of these online shops, you typically see a lot of information on the screen. There's a product description, typically a short one, a longer one, titles, taglines, a bunch of different text that is important in your decision to buy or not to buy the, the product. There have been studies that showed that one in five shoppers failed to purchase due to incomplete or unclear information. And being able to deploy these assets, these product descriptions at scale, keeping them up to date and ensuring their quality is a huge concern. Large language models with their capability to take as input some structured information like attributes and bits and pieces of information from a product information management system and to take that and turn that into a coherent passage of text like a product description that is engaging that is up to the standard of the platform that's deploying it is this kind of process is i think a game changer for how e-commerce and, and and online retailers can approach this problem of keeping their product descriptions up to quality up to date and also, if you think about e-commerce platforms where there's third-party vendors that need to onboard their catalogs to the platform, there, this challenge of keeping the information aligned and accurate and keeping the different types of product descriptions that you have up to the standards of the platform is especially a big pain point. Indeed. And, and where does this play into in terms of the customer experience in terms of from a design standpoint and making sure that the product requirements are the same? Does this go along with with, you know, a simple strategy in terms of labeling, in terms of how companies should be looking at this data? Or is it more bifurcated than that? Am I taking for granted that that data will be able to, you know, really boil this down to like, you know, kind of a pure sense of information than what's really out there. Does that make sense? So if we think about the data that these companies have, it's typically pretty noisy. And there's right. a, lot of, a lot of different types of information in there. And theoretically, if you take a capable human and give them a task of, of writing well-written product descriptions based on this information, they will succeed. But that's obviously a very expensive and complicated process. And we see companies spending a lot of time and effort doing this manually and keeping this up to date. Where LLMs come into the picture is automating a significant part of this workload. Of course, not everything can be done end-to-end -end automatically. You, for some cases, need a human in the loop to 
approve or review or improve upon results, but you can definitely get a lot closer with LLMs and generative AI. And of course, the quality of the data matters quite a lot here. So it's not like you can just throw in all of your product information management system, just take a snapshot of that and throw that into an LLM and expect to get magic in return. You right. need to be very deliberate about kind of thinking about your requirements because oftentimes your own information, your own data will not adhere to some of the guidelines because, you know, that's that's history. You've had maybe a third-party vendor that gave you bad data. Maybe you had some challenges along the way. It's important that you think carefully about these things. Indeed. And, you know, you talked about the extended role that, you know, assumedly that call agents would play, or at least humans in this workflow would play in terms of what, you know, LLMs are going to be able to automate. It won't be end to end. That's that's not where we are in terms of this technology. What do you think the role of humans will be in in complementing what LLMs bring to the table? So some tasks are super high value and and risky. And you will always want to have a human in the loop there, right? So if you have a very delicate customer support ticket that is complicated and you can classify it and triage it and figure out that it's complicated, you probably want to be able to flag it or route it to a human who's very capable at handling those types of tickets. But it turns out that this may not be, you know, the majority of your volume. So you can definitely figure out more efficient workflows if you correctly apply and combine human effort and machine effort. Indeed. And where do you see in terms of, you know, generative AI filling in the blanks in terms of what can be automated and better facilitating interaction with, you know, data centers, with data lakes, where important information needs to be stored, information that answers questions, and those human agents, just in terms of the difference between the LLM that empowers it and the technology that's capable of helping change access to information and open up data in new ways to solve different answers that we've seen elsewhere in these spaces. So I think you said it perfectly. LLMs really change the way we can access information. And that enables exciting possibilities for retailers trying to do new things for their customers. So let's think of something like DIY chain, right? Or, or kind of a hardware store, which is traditionally a very you know physical business, right? You are right. used to, as a customer, go into the store, talk to a representative. They've been trained. They know about the different types of drills that they have and what thickness of drywall they can be used on, et cetera. That information exists somewhere, and you're accessing it with the help of this person who's trained and skilled individual. Now, reproducing this experience in a digital format or online is a huge challenge. And we know that for DIY chains, this is something that they see as a major roadblock in kind of building up an online retail presence, right? So. For them, with LLMs being able to tap into their existing knowledge base of information, which they typically have quite a lot of, 
and being able to inject that into a, a fluent and effective multi-turn chat interaction, that now opens the possibility of building an interactive virtual sales representative. So you would be able to do something like, you know, take a search query, a long tail search query in a search engine where you say, I want to redo my balcony and I want to install something. How do I do that? And take that potential customer and take them to a landing page where they get an interactive experience powered by this LLM under the hood that asks them follow-up questions and helps them think through the projects and would do essentially what this living, breathing, smart and talented sales representative would do in a physical store, you are now opening up a whole new channel of customers for this DIY chain, for example. Right, right, right. And I mean, and I think even with our audience caught up to this point, I think they're already starting to see some challenges on the horizon. One, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here from what I'm seeing, but it's that you'll have, you know, LLMs will be There'll be a bespoke marketplace for it. Very likely, you'll you'll probably need some like you know third party to you know help you build something that's tailored to how you know your business communicates with its customers. All at the same time, you know, in the reverse, there'll be challenges where in personalization, it takes a long time to build a system that really understands the customer, you know, in a more comprehensive fashion in order for you to really build data off of it. Can you tell us a little bit kind of the challenges that you see at the horizon in terms of, you know, where this is going to take businesses into the future with LLMs, is particularly in the retail and e-commerce space? Right. So I spoke a lot from the perspective of sort of the e-commerce platform or the the retailer itself to address what you're getting at. I think we need to think from the customer perspective and from their experience and their journey. So building a delightful customer experience is a big challenge. And it's always a challenge, whether your tool is an LLM or some older generation technology. So we need to keep the lessons of customer experience, user experience in mind, meaning we need to be very thoughtful about how we design, for example, the product requirements and how we guide the development of the solution to make sure we hit the targets. Eventually, you're going to deploy, let's say, a chatbot and have it lead the interaction with your customers. You want to have confidence that they will have a good interaction and a good experience. And usually the way to reach that goal is not through hope, but through (laughs) thinking carefully through the process, designing product requirements and being very deliberate about what constraints you want to have in place, what guardrails you want to have in place, and how the experience should look like. What you were discussing before in terms of the virtual assistants, they'll need to be humans in in these workflows. They'll need to be a more interactive form that the software takes in terms of the customers itself and having conversations. Where does this boil back into, you know, brass taxes, customer support and, you know, solving problems on the product side or the experience right. side they're so having there? Anyone who's bought anything online 
at a pretty high likelihood had some interaction with customer support. And you know from your experience as a customer that this can make or break your relationship with a company and can be hugely influential and important. So obviously there's a lot of interest in trying to improve things on the customer support side. One thing that we see as a recurring theme is this notion of, of question answering about policies. So, you know, there's different policies when you shop online around shipping, around returns, around taxes, around all of these things. They can typically be found online. And in a lot of the cases, customers end up getting to customer support to find answers to these questions because they're having a hard time figuring it out on their own. LLMs can come in and kind of take some of that workload and make it self-serve, right? Online stores already know that this is a pain point, so they do make an effort to point you toward their frequently asked questions and things like that. But when you get to that page, typically the experience, at least for me as a, as a consumer, is often pretty challenging. So there you can inject things like an, an LLM-powered contextual answers model. So this is a capability that we're deploying, for example, at AI21 Labs. And this is something that's ideally suited to bridge this gap because you can take the already existing asset of the frequently asked questions page and just give the customer an ask me anything box where they can answer a question and with a sufficiently high degree of confidence, you will return a useful answer. Or if the answer is actually not found in the documentation, if they ask you something nonsensical or something where they've, you know, maybe they're asking the wrong store. I don't know. You can tell them, I don't know how to help right. you with that. That seems like an odd question to ask. It seems like in these spaces, it's easier than others. And I mean by these spaces in terms of retail and e-commerce to write rules whereby you have a, a lower chance of hallucination or talk a, a little bit about maybe, you know, addressing challenges in that regard and just make making sure that in these systems that, you know, the information's reliable. You were talking you know, in the challenges in the first answer you gave about how it it's difficult, especially for personalization at scale, to have, you know, the correct information really coming to yeah, the Yeah, so I think there's a shared responsibility here. One is that we need to have on the model vendor side, which I represent here, very reliable system where given correct information, you can rely on them to produce correct, factual, reliable results, right? And then the other side of this is, of course, that there needs to be care on the party providing the information, in this case, let's say an e-commerce platform, to be able to monitor things and then pick up on cases where, in fact, the grounding information that you use may be incorrect. We've seen that with, with partners where sometimes a catalog would have uh, conflicting and contradictory information. You know, a shirt can't be at the same time green and red if it's if it's a one color shirt. Right, right. Of course, this is where we get into other areas of AI capabilities in in where they're bringing you know concrete ROI to these spaces as well. In terms of where we're seeing in retail large language models already in place and robust ones that maybe business leaders can keep in mind, you know, maybe as a light at the end of the tunnel as they're going through this process. What examples really stand out to you? So we already see some some early adopters who are doing innovative things and, and making 
strides in applying generative AI to the e-commerce space. So Shopify, for example, announced a shopping assistant in Shop, their consumer app. They also have a generative AI-driven uh, Shopify magic feature that does product description generation. Instacart has their Ask Instacart chatbot, which is LLM-driven. And Carrefour even has AI to answer customer questions. Yeah, very, very, you know, fascinating examples. We've had COO of Instacart, Asha Sharma, on the program in the past to talk about a lot of what they do on the personalization side. But in, just in terms of, of what you guys do in your partnerships are, are, are very interesting. Tell us a little bit about where you've been working in this space to put in place the AI capabilities we've been talking about through the show. Sure. So a number of innovative players have reached out and, and uh, we're working with them to deploy really cool solutions that I think will, will transform their businesses for the better. One that I can mention, which is super interesting, is our partnership with Decathlon and their online marketplace. We're building together a product description generation system that will help them achieve better results and also tackle huge challenges. We mentioned some of these around onboarding third-party data and basically growing their catalog, keeping it up to date and up to quality. Dan, really appreciate you being on the program this week, especially to talk about, about retail and e-commerce, especially from the vantage point of, of customer experience, where we see this, you know, the crossover in FinServe, other areas, really, really demonstrates, you know, the AI is not magic, but it, it's, it's something very concrete and that value that it brings to the table, really something else. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Before we close out today's episode, I think it's worth putting a fine point on what Dan said. You can rewind back. It's around 17 minutes into the conversation. Of course, I'm looking at the timeline of our raw, unedited audio. So take that with a grain of salt. But Dan is taking aim at frequently asked questions pages on retail and e-commerce sites. I'm sure this is a source of headaches for folks at home if they've ever encountered the scenario, but I think it's a really interesting way of looking at data noise, noise that's going to be cleaned up into beautiful music, if I'm going to stay in the audio analogies for right now. But it's an interesting way of just noticing that we've been kind of surrounded by static data that doesn't serve us. And what large language models pose as a benefit to us as a society, to us as individuals, is to take the environment around us and make it worth our while from an information standpoint. And I think that goes hand in hand with generative AI too. And when we think of even banal or mundane things like frequently asked questions pages and come from it from the angle of negative space, from the angle that this is already mostly noise. It mostly has nothing to do with anybody who needs to encounter it. And thinking of personalizing such a noisy, banal, mundane item like that 
I think that's the kind of thinking that we need to approach with LLMs and use cases and generative AI into the future, especially if we're going to find, you know, the benefits that come without the downsides of, of LLMs, you know, in hallucinations and misinformation, which I think we addressed very well on today's episode in terms of how you always, for at least the time being, we want a human supervisory layer to this technology to make sure that it's staying on track. On behalf of Daniel Fagella and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast. <laughs>